Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel. And welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, a look back at 2022. Hey, today it's just me on the podcast talking about the big trends that we saw in 2022, especially on our podcast. And it was really kind of fun to go back and take a look at all the different podcasts that we did over this last year and find out, yeah, where did we spend most of our time? And I actually had a lot of fun doing this because it brought back memories of people I interviewed. We did eight executive interviews this last uh, year, great interviews with former CIOs, CTOs, CEOs. It was wonderful talking to them about their experience in managing organizations through um, technology transformations and, and all the above. And in those interviews and several other interviews that we did, we found six really major trends that we saw in 2022. Um, the trends are, here you go, drum roll please, hybrid workspace, cybersecurity, cloud technology, edge computing, data management, and of course, the one that everyone's thinking about, artificial intelligence. We're still waiting for the, you know, the, art, the AI to take over the world. Hasn't happened yet. Don't think it will in 2023, but we saw an emergence of some really cool AI uh, tools in 2022. Let's dive right into each one of these, and let's start with probably the most profound thing that we saw in 2022 was the hybrid work model. At the beginning of 2022, um, it was just getting out of COVID. People were starting to go back to the office. There were a lot of fits and starts on that because of outbreaks and caution. And But during COVID, IT moved really fast. They moved really fast to get people working from home, at Starbucks, um, in cabins in the mountains. It, it was crazy. People were working from all over the place. And people started going back into the office. So we needed this real flexibility on, hey, where is my work? Is my work just on my laptop? Is it up in the cloud? Is it in uh, virtual desktops, in VDI, in my data center? or in the? It was, it was an interesting time to see what was going on. At the same time, we saw a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure from uh, cost pressures on the decrease IT cost, because during COVID, we kind of let IT costs run a little rampant uh, because we wanted people working uh, so that we can continue the business growing. This was great for IT. They were able to move very quickly and got the funding that they needed. But 2022 saw a pullback a little bit on that. We got to control costs. We still need to move fast like we did. And we showed that we could during the pandemic. But we also needed to put some controls in place so we didn't blow things out of proportion. We didn't, uh, you know, blow, blow the budget on everything. So it was an interesting time in 2022. We have lots of podcast episodes on the normal, getting back to the new normal and what that means and cultural change during um, the pandemic and how that affected everyone. Go back and listen to those uh, fascinating uh, discussions that we had with people from several different industries inside Intel as well as outside of Intel in government, in industry. It was really fascinating. Another major trend that we saw was cloud computing. Another uptick in cloud computing, more people moving to 
uh, the cloud. And we also saw a big surge in regional clouds, smaller cloud service providers that are more a little bit more boutique and can provide different services than the big global cloud service providers. And we saw people moving to them because of some reliability. Uh, we had several cloud outages in the major um, CSPs this year. I think the massive growth got a little in front of them a little bit. Um, also, the cloud service providers, the global ones, were moving up the stack into new SaaS and PaaS platforms, which um, they maybe weren't architected uh, completely great. So we ran into some problems there uh, with some outages uh, that caused uh, some major outages for, uh, for large companies. Um, so we started seeing also these um, companies look at not just putting all their eggs into one cloud service provider, but into multiple cloud service providers and also on their own data centers. All right. In private cloud, we saw an interesting uptick in private cloud. We're seeing a lot of rumors around uh, Broadcom buying VMware, which is the largest uh, uh, private cloud um, software vendor, VMware. And we saw some competitors make some really strong footholds in the private cloud um, space. And competition's always good. We like competition because it improves uh, the technology and the offerings and, and, and possibly will decrease some price in the private cloud. So the multi-hybrid cloud really started to take its form this last year because of some uh, falterings that we saw in the typical cloud service providers. Another thing that we saw that people were a little bit shocked of, we had uh, three episodes on this alone, was controlling costs in the cloud. Um, a lot of people see the sticker shock when they first get their first uh, monthly cloud bill, and they're like, oh my goodness, that was more than what I expected. There are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of um, nuances to um, cloud costs, especially when it comes to egress and network, um, network costs. Those things tend to key, uh, get people a little off guard because um, they're not quite used to the change in operating that you do when you move to a cloud service providers. A lot of people that got stuck with really large cloud builds were the lift and shift. I'm just going to lift what I have, shift in the cloud, and and work like normal. They, they typically ran into um, higher costs than what they expected. So again, we see cloud strategy really taking place in 2022, really um, that multi-hybrid cloud as options that people are looking for. Now, another really big trend that we saw in 2022 was edge computing. And as the edge has become more capable, we can do really crazy things on the edge now because there's so much compute power in these small form factors and low wattage that we're starting to see um, more capabilities out to the edge, which means we have... Um, a lot of really interesting things going on out there like OT, operational technology, and IT information technology convergence is starting to happen where I'm moving data across those typically air-gapped boundaries. Um, and that in itself has caused uh, a whole bunch of interesting um, problems in cybersecurity, which we'll get to later. Um, and we're suddenly seeing it across multiple verticals healthcare, manufacturing, energy production, transportation. We're starting to see um, the promises of Industry 4.0 really starting to take, um, uh, really starting to come, come about. 
Uh, it's really starting to happen. Um, it's not moving as fast as we had hoped, but I think that the emergence of private 5G will really help that to happen. And we saw some of the private 5G offerings happen this year, um, which is great uh, with FlexRAN and things like that. A lot more flexible. Um, the barriers to entry into private 5G is much lower than it is for 4G and, and other technologies like that. So edge computing, I think, is going to be big again in 2023 and 2024. Now that I have all my data scattered in the cloud, in the data center and out on the edge everywhere, guess what the next major thing that we saw this last year, and I think it's an emerging, it's very nascent right now. You're right, it's data management. So data management took a major, major uh, role this last year, and people are still trying to grasp it. They're just trying to get their head around it because my data is now scattered everywhere. And so how do I manage all that data? How do I protect all that data? And then how do I classify that data? So those are kind of the, the four key pillars of data management that we saw, location, classification, governance, and protection. On the classification side, we're seeing organizations um, being, I don't know what the right word is, um, burdened with um, data classification because of regulation. Uh, there's a lot of regulations around data privacy. That means I have to do a better job at classifying my data, making sure that who has access to my data and the right data at the right time also ties into that, which is data governance, right? Who has access for how long? And then how long do I need to keep, keep um, that data under the specific classification? And then the fourth pillar, of course, is protection. Really interesting interesting on growth in uh, data protection, specifically around confidential computing. So uh, if you don't know what confidential computing is, we had like four podcasts on confidential computing, really fascinating stuff. It's protecting our data in use. So encrypting our data while we're using our data in the CPU and protecting it from, um, from attacks, uh, cyber attacks and, and threats keeping my secrets secret and not out on disk and things like that. Some really cool technology around encryption, um, encryption in silicon. So that gives us the ability to encrypt in use, at rest, and in transit. Uh, so take a look at those, uh, those podcasts on confidential computing. Great, great new technologies like SGX and TDX, of course, by Intel, um, are, are available there that... Uh, really open the doors to that. And the great news is some of the cloud service providers have adopted those technologies and other technologies around confidential computing. So it's now available to try out in the cloud. And then also you can buy it um, in your own data centers too. So really interesting stuff around this data management concept. Now the next, um, the next one, and probably the way, in fact, it was the one that had the most episodes this year um, in 2022 was cybersecurity. We had all oh, 18 to 20. I Some of them were fudged a little bit because we ended up talking about cybersecurity, even though the topic may have been um, data management because cybersecurity plays everywhere. But there were 18 to 20 episodes on cybersecurity. Um, and wow, 
incredible episodes. Everything, everything from ransomware attacks to thwarting ransomware attacks to um, new ways of looking at micro-segmentation for um, protection and firewall management. Really interesting things. All of it circling around the big buzzword of the day, zero trust architecture. I know we've all heard it. It's a big buzzword. It's a marketing term. But zero trust architecture principles are real and they're starting to be used more and more. So this is something we most definitely want to keep an eye on. We saw a lot this year in zero trust. Everyone says they have zero trust. Look at the principles. It's not just an architecture. It also has to do with process improvement that you need to put in place. It's a new way of thinking about um, security in the cloud, in your data center, and also on the edge as well. Also, we saw major breaches um, in uh, ransomware attacks in OT security. Critical infrastructure security was attacked heavily this year. Um, the war uh, between the Ukraine and Russia unleashed a bunch of cyber attacks during that war on each country and also allies to those countries. So really interesting to see um, how cyber uh, security and cyber warfare is going to play uh, with physical warfare in conjunction in the future. Um, interestingly enough, a lot of surveys were done this last year on cybersecurity. Number one threat, number one attack, phishing. It still remains the primary attack vector because humans are involved. I myself have fallen, I've fallen to the phishing attacks that our um, IT department does on its own employees. Um, so I've had to take the training a couple times because I said, oh, that looks really interesting. I think we all kind of fall for that sometimes. Got to be more careful. So we have to be cautious of the phishing attacks that are out there. And then probably the most notarized or notar those famous things that happened this year were software supply chain attacks. We had log4j with vulnerabilities that were exposed, right? That was huge because almost everyone uses log4j and it caught a lot of IT organizations and software development um, organizations a little off, um, off foot, maybe on their back foot a little bit because they weren't sure if they had log4j or not. So we saw a big, huge cry for, we need software bill of materials uh, when you're delivering software or, or using software. And there's been um, some standards groups that have come up like ESF um, SBOM group, the software bomb group that have come up with um, some standards around software bombs, how to use them, how to produce them so that we can get a better idea of where we do have vulnerabilities in our workloads, in our infrastructure, um, both in the cloud, on the edge, and in the data center. So cybersecurity will continue to be big in 2023. You gotta check out my next episode where I go in depth on 2023, what I think the big items will be that year. And uh, we'll get uh, some feedback from you guys, my listeners, uh, to, to see what you think about that. Now, the last one, and probably the coolest one, right? Because it's bleeding edge stuff. No, it's not quantum computing. There were some inroads in quantum, but artificial intelligence. I, that, that was a big one this last year. 
We did several episodes on the podcast about it. Probably the biggest news in AI this last year and towards the end of the year was OpenAI releasing ChatGBT. Big, you know, I played around with it a little bit. It's pretty cool, I have to admit. And it possibilities of it, my brain are just starting to wrap around what can I really do with this thing? And it's pretty impressive. So a generalized solution like that that I can use in several different things, even maybe even responding to your comments on my podcast might come from uh, chat GBT. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But it can also help write code. It can help. There's a lot of things um, in chat GBT that we're seeing interesting things. Now, also this last year, we saw a huge uptick in AI silicon chips. So these are chips, neuromorphic computing chips that are available um, to purchase and or rent from the cloud service providers uh, where many of the cloud service providers have adopted uh, neuromorphic computing as an offering where it is so screaming fast when it comes to training and inference and things like that, M much faster even than the GPUs at a lower wattage. Those are now available in the cloud or for purchasing your own data center. And some of the wattage is even so small that we can push it down into edge devices. We're talking uh, two to five watts um, type of thing. So really cool um, stuff for the edge um, and AI chips that came out this uh, this year. Also, we're starting to see organizations move out of using AI in a science experiment into operationalizing AI in their day-to-day -day workflows that they're doing in their in their day-to-day -day business that they have. So that's another major uptick. And we're feeling the growing pains around operationalizing um, AI. We're starting to see the emergence of AI ops, just like DevOps. We've got AI ops, and we're sorry, and we're bumping up against some of the rough edges. It'll get polished off. We'll we'll grow um, over the next couple of years in the AI ops space as uh, it becomes um, more readily available and operationalized. So. I can, I can churn out um, AI applications more uh, readily. Now, another thing that we saw, and this is really interesting, is we saw new types of cyber attacks. Again, cyber, cybersecurity comes up. But new types of cyber attacks on AI. And, and AI, because AI has more moving parts than a typical um, application, because I have my application, I also have my data that's driving the application and the data that I'm analyzing and the data that I'm spitting out. I, there's lots of moving parts there. And a lot of times with AI, I'm dealing with the real world. There's been some interesting AI attacks that we've seen that are um, attacking both the model by changing parts of the model or attacking the model th um, through the input coming in by sending different types of uh, disruption into those input data streams, we're starting to see the AI models miss things and things like that. So cyber attacks and AI are increasing. Research is being done on this to how to thwart that as well. So I hope your 2022 was a good year. It was a transformational year for a lot of people. I think we saw that in the tech markets 
as tech kind of stumbled a little bit this last year, as far as uh, we had this big, huge two years of just spending like crazy to keep every everything going. And we had what I would call a typical drawback after that. And we had some stumbles. We absolutely do. The chip shortage being one of those uh, stumbles, which uh, we continue to go through the chip shortage, especially on edge devices. The automotive industry, for example, is still has a major chip shortage that we're trying to get through still. Um, but 2023, I think will be an interesting year. I think it's another transition year. I'm hoping towards the end of the year, we'll see this massive growth in these technologies and maybe more. But check out my next uh, podcast episode where we'll go more in depth in what I see coming in 2023. Thank you for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you enjoyed our podcast, give it five stars on your favorite podcasting site or YouTube channel. You can find out more information about Embracing Digital Transformation at embracingdigital.org. Until next time, go out and do something wonderful.